queens and kings, this is Sharana Reeves, and you are listening to These Three Things Podcast, a podcast for women, where the conversation is about us, our relationships, and every aspect of our lives. This show is about unity, support, kindness, and keeping it 100% real. So we can rise up, move, we've got the victory, burn us Queens, Kings, good people. This is Sharana Reeves, and you are listening to These Three Things Podcast. This is the first episode of season three. We are talking today about Black women and therapy with Dr. Patricia Thompson and introducing licensed therapist Leslie Fye. I am so excited to bring this episode to you guys. But before we get off into that, let's talk about a few things. This intro song, y'all. Y'all liked it. Thank you. I am so happy to get the feedback that you guys liked the change up in the intro song. I was a little worried. I had some doubts. I had a little bit of trepidation that... Y'all may not like that too much because there were so many people who loved the the original Unity song. So I'm happy to know that you guys like the new, more upbeat version. Thank you all who sent me feedback, who let me know that you did like it. It is much appreciated. If you haven't had a chance to check out the introduction episode from last week, check it out. It'll catch you up on what to expect from season three, where I was, what took me so long, and all of the changes that I have made to these three things podcast in this season. I'm super excited about this episode and I'm going to tell you why. I'm really hyped about it because black women in therapy is a thing. Just the black community in general and therapy is a thing. And historically, we don't really do therapy. We see that as something that isn't self-care, Let me just tell you that therapy is self-care. It's okay to acknowledge that you're not okay in some areas. It's okay to acknowledge that I may not have the tools to know how to deal with this particular thing. Maybe you weren't raised with the tools to know how to deal with a particular thing because the people who raised you did the best that they could do, just like we're all doing the best that we can do. So it's okay to go out here and get help. But what we're focusing on today in this particular episode is how to make sure you're getting the right help, because that's more important than anything. Going to a therapist is one thing. Going to a therapist is actually going to help you is something completely different. So I'm super excited about this conversation with Dr. Patricia Thompson. Most of you know her already from These Three Things podcast season one. She has been with the show from the beginning Uh, She is the resident therapist of These Three Things podcast, and she's been on several episodes. If this is your first time tuning in to These Three Things podcast, you can hear Dr. Patricia on uh, episodes with the Queens of Atlanta. She's been a part of episodes such as Black Women and the Imposter Syndrome. She's been with the Queens of D.C. where we talked about friendships. Uh, She's also been on an episode with the Queens of Atlanta where we talk about black women in the workplace. 
Let me just give a side note on that particular episode. If you work in corporate America, and not just if you work in corporate America, if you are out here trying to get it in your career, you need to go back and listen to that episode of Black Women in the Workplace. Uh, Dr. Patricia and LaQuinta Jacobs were giving some crazy tools, you guys, on how to maneuver out here in your career to be successful. LaQuinta Jacobs is a guru in the HR world. Let me just tell you, this sister is out here on platforms, panels, podcasts, all across the country on her knowledge and information on how to help people navigate their careers. Some of the tools that she gives in the Black Women in the Workplace episode are just gems that many of us pay to get. She's giving them to you for free. So if you are trying to figure out how you can be unapologetically black in the workplace every day. If you are trying to understand how you can work with HR to manage your trajectory in your career successfully, if you have issues with HR and you're trying to find out how to work with them successfully to get to a better place, if you are trying to find out who you need to go to within your company, within your uh, job, that can help you get to the levels that you are trying to go to. You need to listen to the Black Women in the Workplace episode. LaQuinta Jacobs, I call her Q. You just can't walk up to her and call her Q now. You got to know Q to call her Q, and she'll let you know it. So LaQuinta Jacobs, which is my girl, what up Q? LaQuinta is a whole beast out here in diversity, equity, and inclusion like a whole beast. So if you get a chance to go and listen to that episode and you have questions for LaQuinta, you can go to the website, these three things website at these three dash things.com. Go to the podcast page and click on the episode that says black women in the workplace. You will find LaQuinta Jacobs there. You will see all of her socials and emails with which you can reach out to her and contact her. And she will respond to you. This is what she does. She is working in her gift. She is passionate about her gift. And this sister is the real deal. So if you got a chance and you're trying to make moves in your career, check out Black Women in the Workplace episode. Dr. Patricia is on that episode as well. And then I'm introducing you guys to licensed therapist Leslie Fye. Leslie Fye is my therapist, you guys. And as I said in the introduction episode, it was very important to me as I opened up the show to women and not just centrally focused on black women anymore, but just to women in general, because I think we have more in common than we do differences. Uh, it was very important for me to bring a woman onto the show that I trust. And Leslie Fye is just that for me. I know the work that she does personally to be able to be the best therapist to all of her clients, regardless of your race, creed, religion, sexuality, where you stand in the political world. It doesn't matter. It was very important to bring her to the show. I think that um, as we talk about black women in therapy, many of us sometimes live in places where there's just not a black therapist there, but you know that you need to talk to someone. 
in those cases, many times, a lot of us just choose not to go to therapy because we're like, well, how is a white person going to even be able to relate to some of the things that I'm dealing with? Well, we're going to talk about that in this episode and break it down. You guys are going to learn how Leslie Fye became my therapist, a super proud black woman. And y'all already know that about me, how a white woman became my therapist and not only my therapist, but my friend. And so I'm super excited for you guys to listen to this episode with Dr. Patricia Thompson and Leslie Fye. We are talking about black women in therapy. And before I lead us into that episode, I want to just say this. For many of you who don't know much about the podcasting world, podcasts grow very slowly. It takes a while for you to build up your base of people who religiously come and listen to your show. It takes a while for you to be able to monetize your show where people want to place ads within your show or sponsor your show. Well, these three things now is at a place where this show is receiving sponsorship. And I want to give a shout out to two sponsors who send a check every month to this show to see it continue to stay out here in podcast land to see it grow and give me the opportunity to continue to add and do new things to these three things podcast first shout out goes to ecclesia ministries out of murfreesboro tennessee they are under the leadership of apostle terrence lyons Shout out to Apostle Terrence Lyons and Ecclesia Ministries of Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and also to, to a gentleman at Henry Williams Trucking Incorporated. Thank you, Mr. Henry Williams Trucking Incorporated. This gentleman is a truck driver who owns his own company. He listened to the podcast, stumbled up on it, loves the show, and religiously sends a check every month to... Uh, sponsor the show because he loves what we're talking about he said he's learned a lot about women from the show so again thank you guys I really appreciate it right after this commercial break we'll get into the episode black women in therapy with Dr. Patricia Thompson and licensed therapist Leslie Fye for almost a century Scarrett Bennett Center's historic gothic campus has been a choice location for dream weddings in Nashville Consistently rated one of Music City's best places to get married by The Knot, Wedding Wire, and Toast of Nashville, Scarrett Bennett Center offers three timeless venues for your wedding, a 20-person elopement chapel, a 300-person wedding chapel, and a breathtaking garden. From rehearsal to reception, Scarrett Bennett Center is ready to help you create the intimate, historic wedding of your dreams. Visit our website, at scarrettbennett.org forward slash weddings for more information. Hey, queens and kings, this is Sharana Reeves, and you are listening to These Three Things podcast. And today we are going to be talking about black women and therapy with two women that I could not wait to have this conversation with. First of all, let me just introduce both of them to the show. One of them you already are familiar with from the show because she's been on an episode with uh, several episodes with the Queens of Atlanta and also with the Queens of DC, Dr. Patricia Thompson. Welcome to these three things. Thank you for having me. This lady is very near and dear to my heart. She has been my therapist and I'm so excited to have her here with us today in Atlanta. We are recording in Atlanta, Georgia. Leslie Fye. Leslie, welcome to these three things. Thank you. It's such an honor to be here. 
I wanted to have a conversation about black women in therapy. I know in our community, in the black community, we don't um, always seek therapy when we need it for multiple reasons. Culturally, there's multiple reasons as to why we don't always uh, get the help that we need. And we're going to talk about those things. But if you are a listener of These Three Things podcast, you know, I always got to tell y'all how I know the people that I know. So again, Dr. Patricia, you guys will be familiar with those of you who have been listening to the show, because Dr. Patricia is our resident therapist. She started with these three things when the podcast started last July. Uh, she's been on several episodes with the Queens of Atlanta. I think we did the imposter syndrome together. Uh, what else have we done together? Black women in the workplace. Mm-hmm. We've done that episode together. Uh, she's also been with the Queens of D.C. We did an episode on friendships uh, together. What else, Dr. P? What else have we done? I think that's it, but I could be forgetting. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. It runs together, but Dr. Patricia is definitely not new to the show, and she is an executive coach, and I definitely feel like that we need to talk about black women in the workplace and uh, our state of mind, you know, our mental health in the workplace, and I think that she's going to share so many gems today on how we can successfully navigate and get the help that we need as black women in the workplace. And then with Leslie Fye, uh, I was coaching at Mississippi State when I met Leslie Fye. As a matter of fact, uh, my ex-husband and I had just separated and um, I was just really overwhelmed. I was trying to manage an SEC coaching job. We were very good that year. It was very demanding. I was on the road a lot. Uh, My ex-husband and I had separated at that time, so that kind of threw a lot on me at the last minute that I hadn't really prepared for, Uh, and our kids were really young, and I remember one day, um, and if I cry, I mean, y'all listen, y'all know I cry anyway, so, you know, uh, (laughs) just bear with me, but um, I remember one day, I was just really overwhelmed, and I was also angry, because at that time, you know, it was a lot going on with my ex that was really frustrating to me. And I came home one day and the kids just being kids, just being normal kids, uh, were just kind of going on and on about something. And I just remember, I just snapped and I went into my bedroom and I felt like the Holy spirit was like, Sharana, they're hurting. They don't know how to tell you that they're hurting. And at that moment, I knew I got to get help because I may be able to take what's going on because I'm an adult and I got some experience under me, but I cannot hurt these two people. Like I'll do anything before I hurt these two people. So I reached out and I don't know how, but by the grace of God, that I would meet Leslie Fye. Cause I'm going to tell you at, at first I was extremely hesitant. Cause I'm like, well, she's a white lady. What is she going to tell me? You know, what is this white woman going to tell me about my family and how to help my children. And I put the kids in therapy too. So it wasn't just me. It was a complete thing. And we all kind of went at separate times initially, Leslie. I think that's what you wanted was just to kind of talk to us individually at first. And man, let me tell you, that was in 2008. Leslie is still in my in my family. Like I will call Leslie when I need to unpack something and say, hey, I need to get back in therapy. I need to talk to you about something. When I left my job in Knoxville, I was like, Leslie, I got to talk. It's a lot of stuff. So Leslie has been a, she's my therapist, but I also feel like as much as a therapist and a client can be friends, I think that we, you know, are friends. And so I'm super happy to have you here, Leslie. So. I'm so proud to be here. Yeah. So that's how I know Leslie Fye. And 
when I thought about just black women and therapy in general, you know, again, I thought of two people that I knew would have a lot to share. And but I felt at this time, considering everything that happened last year with COVID, with George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, I felt like the race relationships were so like broken and trust was really broken. And, you know, there haven't been a lot of white people on my show. The only other white person has been Jennifer Grimson. And I felt like it was time for me as a black woman to add the work of trying to build back relationships between us and white women was necessary. And I wanted to do it with a white woman that I trust and that I know has done the work without asking anybody to show you anything or tell you anything, has done the work on educating yourself on us and our culture. So um, that's why I have Leslie here, because I absolutely do want to bridge the gap between the lack of trust that is actually going on right now between black women and white women, because it's it's fragmented right now. It is. So um, that's part of what I want to do. So let's get into the episode. First of all, I want to talk about exactly what you guys do, because you both kind of do two separate things, and they're touching bases on things that I actually want to address separately. So Dr. Patricia, can you talk about as an executive coach, what you actually do, who your clients are, and like what you what you share with them? Yeah, so um, my PhD is actually in clinical psychology. And so I do have a lot of training in terms of therapy and Mm -hmm. used to do that pretty extensively um, years ago. Mm -hmm. But now as an executive coach, um, I work with businesses and people primarily just helping them to be more successful and fulfilled at work. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, a lot of times that will involve some discussion of your personal life just because, you know, I think that you can't compartmentalize anything 100%. Right. But um, the focus is, is mostly on work and balance and just going for yours in life. Yeah. 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 And then Leslie Fye, what do you do? Like, tell me about what you do and like who your clients are and like what you help them with. Yeah, so I am a licensed professional counselor. I'm at the master's level, not the a PhD level. Uh, And I work in a private practice setting doing therapy for individuals and families. I personally work with adolescents and up, um, but in in our group, we we have practitioners that work with children. Um, The kinds of clients I see, you know, I live in a small town, so you really have to be a good generalist. You, you work with whatever comes in the door, mm-hmm. um, but what's what's really in my heart, um, it, you know, I work with all kinds of mood disorders. Um, I have a background in substance abuse and chemical dependency. Mm-hmm. Um, I do a lot of trauma work, mm-hmm. and um, so like I say, you know, you just have to be a good generalist, but it, it's individual and family therapy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so when we talk about black women and the reasons why we don't seek therapy, let's get into that just a little bit. And I have a couple of things that I've written down. And then you guys, please, by all means, jump in and share because you're the expert. I'm here to learn as well. Although I am a big proponent of therapy, I said that in the very first episode of these three things that I am about therapy uh, and it has and I've benefited greatly from it. Um, but in the black community, there's a lot of stigma with therapy. There is a lot of stigma with therapy. And a lot of it has to do with culturally. We don't typically like to air our dirty laundry. We don't take our, our dirty laundry to anybody else's house. We usually keep it in house. We keep it in the family. Um, 
we are always and and I think that there's a stereotype of the strong black woman but I also think too that we do that to each other we do that to ourselves as well like we hold on to that whole strong black woman thing that I don't need therapy I'm resilient I'll bounce back from this I can handle this not realizing sometimes that we've actually been traumatized. We've experienced something traumatic and we need to figure out how to process that a correct way so that it doesn't hurt us in other areas of our lives. And then affordability. Like I think that sometimes we just don't think we can afford therapy. Like we think it's going to be too expensive. You know, it, you know, does my insurance really cover that? How much is that going to cost? And when you're thinking about if money's tight, all of the other things that you may have to take care of, do I really want to go spend $120 on a therapy session? Like, do I have that to give? So then our mental health takes a back seat because affordability wise is just not something we can do. Um, having to choose a non-black therapist. You know, when I lived in Starkville, I lived in Morgantown, West Virginia, there were not a lot of black therapists around. And I think a lot of us kind of feel like that if I can't go to somebody who looks like me that can represent or, or understand what I'm going through, I don't, I'm not going to a white person. Like, what can a white person tell me? So I feel like that too keeps a lot of us from going to therapy. And then the last one that we are known for in the black community is we just gonna pray it away. We're going to pray everything away. Prayer is going to fix it all. So we just, we don't uh, seek therapy because we feel like, you know what? I'm just going to pray about it. And uh, not to take anything away from God because we know who he is and what he's capable of. But sometimes we just need tools and an, obje and a, and, and an objective opinion about things to um, give us some insight. So did I leave anything out there, ladies, that y'all would add to that as, as to the reasons why we don't seek therapy? Um, I would probably add two. I think one is just misconceptions about mental illness. Mm. And, you know, if I go to a therapist, does that mean I'm crazy? You know, and I think having to consider that or looking at things in that way is something that a lot of people shy away from and so they don't get the True. help they need. Um, and then I would say another one just on a really practical level is access and maybe just not even knowing where to start and feeling overwhelmed. Like if you do a Google search, there so many people might come up as therapists and yes. it's like, who do I pick? Like this is overwhelming. Yes. And so I think as opposed to actually going, it's easier just to sit back and not even deal. So do you feel that any of those reasons that I just mentioned, that any of that has changed over time with us or do you still feel like that's pretty relevant? Like we still are, we keep it in house. We're going to try to be the strong woman and just work our way through it. Do y'all feel like that's still all the same? I feel like it's the same. Although I do think that just in general, there's more discussion about mental health mm -hmm. needs. And, and so I think there's, there's less stigma. Um, and I think anytime that somebody, you know, famous, for example, comes out and talks about having had some, you know, issues with yeah. mental health, that it makes it a little bit more normalized. Yeah. Um, but I would still say that a lot of those things apply, like, you know, feeling that you need to be strong and that can create a dynamic where if you feel like you need to be strong, but you don't feel strong, then you add on an additional layer of self-judgment yeah. and, and, you know, th that can create its whole dynamic of its own. Yeah. Um, and I would say, you know, the religion thing is definitely still an issue as well, in my experience. Yeah. Well, and it's kind of understandable in our culture. Therapy, it, our culture has failed black people on 
all levels, you know, and when black people take their vulnerability into our healthcare system, mm. they have been failed. When they take their vulnerability um, to public safety, yes. police, they've been failed. Um, so why wouldn't on some unconscious level they be afraid to walk into therapy where you take yourself and become the most open and the most vulnerable? Yes. And um, our culture has demanded that black people be strong in every single way. So true. And then you had to teach each other, we have to be strong. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my hope is that in the wake of 2020 and all that it has been, mm -hmm. all of the brokenness that's been highlighted, um, that we're all gonna be more willing to be vulnerable with each other because that's the only way yes. you know, we're going to come through and come out of this. Yeah. Um, you know, when you were talking about the, the stigma with mental illness and I'm thinking about uh, DMX who just yes. passed away yes. and the beautiful and amazing things I'm watching come on social media mm -hmm. and, you know, being a white person, like I listened to a little rap, but yeah. Yeah, I, I don't listen, but yeah. I, I didn't know his story. I knew who he was. Mm -hmm. I knew the name. Um, and just having that story put out there and hearing how much trauma he went through mm -hmm. and how he put his heart and soul and healing into his music yes. every day. Yes. So I think the more those kinds of messages get out there, the more we're destigmatizing. And look, you know, therapy for white people is a stigma too. Yeah. It yeah. is. Mm -hmm. I just think because of our culture, it's a, even deeper level for black people. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, um, I was on Twitter after that whole Megan and Harry interview mm. and, um, the number of black women specifically that I saw just really being able to resonate with the story of someone, I mean, who's living in a castle and, you know, having to leave, but, you know, getting the message that she needs to dim herself down yeah. and can't be herself and that there are problems mm. with that and getting attacked um, but at the same time being gaslit that yeah. this has nothing to do with racism. And a lot of people were talking about how they've had similar experiences of talking about their lived experiences and people telling them that they're playing the race card and, you know, it's not legitimate. Right. Um, but I think there was a lot of empathy. And I think, again, like showing her vulnerability and her struggle, mm -hmm. I think hopefully will make it easier for others too. If you want to find more information about this episode and my guest, go to www.these3-things.com. Go to our podcast page and click on this episode. Do you need to get a handle on your stress? Need to get better control of your emotions? Join the 19,000 plus students who have taken Dr. Patricia Thompson's 21-day crash course in emotional intelligence you'll learn practical techniques that will help you to manage your emotions, improve your relationships, and get ahead in your career, all in the comfort of your own home. Learn more at her website, silverliningpsychology.com, on the self-study page. Again, that's silverliningpsychology.com. Well, with all of that being said, like we talked a little bit about, you know, the pandemic last year that hit, that's in all of us home. Um, 
And then we had all of the murders. We had Breonna Taylor, which we found out about later. We had uh, Ahmaud Arbery that had happened like almost two months before the whole world had found out about it. And then the one that just kind of sent everybody off the edge was George Floyd. And um, the summer of 2020 was pretty traumatic. The year 2020 was pretty traumatic. I feel like at the beginning when we lost Kobe Bryant, the whole year went to shit, to be honest with (laughs) y'all. The whole year went to shit. But um, have you guys as therapists uh, seen an uptick in the need for therapy since the the year of 2020? And either one of y'all can go first with that. Absolutely. Um, my practice, every single practitioner in my group, I mean, the, the phone just went off the hook. Um, you know, and we had to shift from going to in person to figuring out how to do everything online mm-hmm. and it it has not slowed down since then you know i think with people going home um even 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 for people who weren't going home essential workers who had to be out there in it in whatever level there was so much grief and trauma across so many levels and COVID demanded that we all slow down in some way, Mm -hmm. even if you were going to work every day. Like I went to work every day, whether in my office or at my home, but but my life still slowed way down. And when we get quiet, all Mm. of that pain rises to the surface and people's pain has been rising to the surface. And then out in the world, there's so much tension and fear. And I'm telling you, I, I, I you know, I live in a small town in Mississippi, but I, I think um, all of the Facebook groups that I belong to with other practitioners and professional associations, we're all being hit hard. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. P? Yeah. And I would say in my case, um, the two things that I've noticed are, number one, just a need for a lot more trainings from businesses Mm -hmm. um, asking me to come in and teach people about resilience and stress management and just how to deal with all of this. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, also more discussions about diversity and unconscious bias and things along those lines. And I would say in the discussions with my clients, um, particularly my clients of color, Mm -hmm. just, discussions about race have been much more prevalent. And so while it might have been something that would come up before, it's like the center topic that people are wanting to talk about. And I remember, you know, after the George Floyd murder, um, you know, people just needing a place to unpack Mm -hmm. and talk about it in a safe space. And even though they felt like their leaders or their companies were talking about it to some extent, Mm -hmm. they still felt like they couldn't fully unload it mm-hmm. and um you know have a place to talk and I know even for myself like as a psychologist I know every coping mechanism in the book yeah um but there were some mornings where it would take me a little longer to get out of bed just because it was so heavy and so much and then you add on like juggling you know homeschooling and working Ooh. from home and all of that so it's, it's been a lot in the past year for people to deal with okay so what you just said is like let's talk about that for a minute Ooh. because you guys are taking on a lot 
just as therapist and having to, again, like you have a, what, how old is your son? Seven? Yeah. Seven year old. Mm-hmm. You have a seven year old that you're now homeschooling. Leslie, I know your kids are older. Mine are older. Yeah. Right. You have one in college and what is your son? He's in. He's 17. He's 17. Junior, junior mm-hmm. in high school. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, homeschooling isn't as demanding as what a seven year old would be. But I mean, how are you guys processing yourselves? Because you're having to be the person that's fielding all of these conversations every day. And like you said, helping people cope. How has that been helping yourselves cope with helping us cope? Yeah, I had to up my game on every single thing that I preach. I had to, I've always practiced what I preached, Mm -hmm. but every single self-care tool that I have, I had to up, you know, had to exponentially start practicing. I got up a lot earlier in the morning because I had to start having more quiet time. Um, yeah. You know, you and I sat down for dinner last night yeah. and you were like, Ooh, you lost a little bit of weight. Well, yeah. I lost weight because you I had to, great. well, yeah. thank you, you're sweet, <laughs> but I had to get up and get outside and get in God's world and move my body and move all of the emotion yeah. that was getting triggered in my own self mm. and then all of the emotion coming back um, to me. Yeah. And I would say for me, it's it's been similar. I um, have always been someone who meditates, but I've upped that and actually like do a morning yoga practice. So yes. get up and, and just focus on being present. Um, and I think the other thing is just a lot of self-compassion. Mm. So um, not needing really high standards <laughs> in yeah. everything and just kind of recognizing that if there's a day where maybe I've scheduled to write something if I don't feel like it, I let myself take a nap, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. and just realize that it's going to be okay. And so I think for a lot of people, what um, this time has also done is just given us greater perspective mm-hmm. on what's really important and, um, you know, question maybe how we've been living in terms of constantly being on the go yeah. and, and recognizing the need to just slow down and look within or get outside into nature or, yeah. or you know, be present with loved ones, those sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. And so what are you guys finding, you know, because Leslie, I don't know how many like black people that you're currently counseling at Mm -hmm. this time. But uh, for the both of you, like what are you finding to be the main thing that black women come into therapy for? Um, So in my case, you know, since it's not therapy, it's usually a broader issue about navigating the workplace. Mm. Um, But I think in the past year, as issues of race have become more prevalent, um, it's just how to, how to manage that. And there's the emotional labor that comes from, you know, wanting to talk about these issues, mm-hmm. but also recognizing that there might only be so much of an audience that you can have for it at work. And so I think for some, it's like, how do I bring up the issue in a way that doesn't make me seem like the angry black woman? Although mm-hmm. I will say there's more of an appetite for it now and people are more open yeah. to it. But still, I think that's always something that um, black women in the workplace are having to navigate. Um, and then I would say, you know, the other thing is just how do I balance it all and keep my head above water with everything that's going on, you know, wanting to still be successful but then you know I'm at home and I can't balance the same way because my work life is bleeding into my personal life or there aren't really clear boundaries um and and just kind of I would say like dealing with the stress and anxiety of it all would be the big thing yeah 
Yeah, and in my practice, I, I think they're coming in for the same reasons they've always come in, um, you know, anxiety, depression, concerns about their relationships, um, uh, workplace issues, you know, just in terms of how it triggers their insecurity. Um, in the past year, being a white therapist, um, you know my, I mean, Sharana, you know how I am. My clients get to know me mm -hmm. and they know they can trust me. Right. Um, but I think this last year has taught me Prior prior to 2020, I probably wouldn't introduce race unless or racial inequity unless mm -hmm. I sensed it in what they were telling me. Right. Um, and in 2020, it just couldn't it, it couldn't function that way because it's it's in the air right. of everything. You know, yeah. it's in the oxygen of what we're breathing. And so I learned that I that I had to ask. You know how are you doing listening to the news every day? Right. Like, I know we need to talk about what's going on at home, and, you know, I know we need to talk about this issue and that issue, but uh, how are you doing with what you're listening to in the news? Yeah. And, um, that was sort of a scary question to ask, but I found relief every time I did. Yeah, yeah, I'm um, sure. Yeah. I'm sure. So let's talk about marriage, because a lot of marriages took a hit last year in 2020. As far as, you know, people, like you said, we all slowed down and we got to looking at the people that we're, we're living with, like, I don't even like you, <laughs> you know? So did you get an uptick in women who were dealing with that as well? Like marital issues, like this is not going well. They thought their life was happy. We were in a good situation and then we all go home because of a pandemic and now I'm two months later, I'm ready to get rid of this person. Right, right. Um... Actually, I've found sort of the opposite. People are coming in more to fix their relationships. Mm. Now, whether or not the relationship is able to fix or not, um, you know, that's always case by case. Yeah. But uh, people are really raw and really wanting to heal it if they can. Yeah. So you feel like that downtime and the quiet time helped people to really see the problems. Like we have see issues. Their stuff. Yeah. Yes. We got to work on. Yeah. 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 And Dr. Patricia, I wanted to ask you when you were talking just now, um, have you had as an executive coach, white people reach out to you and want to talk about racial things and asking you how to help them navigate there, this, yeah. yeah, yeah, there has been some of that um, where they're not quite sure what to do mm -hmm. or maybe how to create a safe space for their black employees to be able to talk about some of these things. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say there has been an uptick, although to be honest, I think for some of them, it was a little short lived mm -hmm. um, where it was maybe doing what they felt was the right thing to do, but not having the stamina maybe to want to deal with it. So um, whether it was just wanting to deal with the issue in the moment mm -hmm. <laughs> or maybe a little bit of virtue signaling that, hey, we are a, a good place to work and we focus on diversity. Mm -hmm. um, so that hasn't been the case across the board, but I would say it's been a mix of those that are really focused on wanting to um, really make a, a difference about social justice mm -hmm. versus those that were doing it because they felt it was the right thing to do, but weren't 
didn't have all the skin in the game to really make a big difference. Right. It's the right thing to do at this time. Right. 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 Yeah, I get that. And I think a lot of uh, black people in the workplace have worried about that. Like, okay, so everybody's, you know, waking up right now. Are we going to stay woke? Are we going to, you know, when all this is over with, go back to sleep? So I I remember I was talking to one um, African-American man who I coach, who is also a DEI consultant within his organization. Mm -hmm. And one session he was saying, I feel like I have about two more weeks of white guilt <laughs> to be able to yeah. <laughs> make the big changes that I can make. So it's a lot of pressure. And that's what the thing like other DEI specialists were just kind of feeling, I really have to do everything that I can do now yes. while that's kind of striking while the iron is hot, but also having a bit of, I guess, cynicism that it wouldn't last. Yes. But I want to ask you guys this question. Does a therapist have to have, um, have to be a certain way or have lived through uh, specific things to to get it, to be able to counsel or give advice. Can a therapist have had no experience in something and really give valid input? And I already know the answer to that, but I want y'all to talk about that too. Um, so, I mean, I think a good therapist is someone who's had experience working with a lot of different clients mm-hmm. and having dealt with a lot of things, but by the same token, I don't think that they have to have your exact same lived experience to be able to help you. Mm -hmm. Um, because if that was the case, it would be impossible for anybody to find a therapist because everybody's going to have had a different lived experience. Um, but I do think that a good therapist is one who stays curious and humble and doesn't assume that they know your experience. And so even as a black woman working with another black woman, I wouldn't assume that our experiences are exactly the same because they're not. And so um, I think a good therapist will ask a lot of questions and try to meet you where you're at and empathize and learn more about your experience um, while by the same token, not expecting you to educate them about racial inequity or something like that because that's not your job as the client. Um, but no, I don't think they necessarily have to, you know, be exactly the same as you demographically to be able to help you. Yeah. Leslie. I agree. Um, you know, there's a term in our field called the wounded healer and, um, that that's, that's a therapist who's kind of walked through his or her own trauma. Um, and I think there's power in wounded healers, but I, I think, um, I think more than having a shared experience, although that can be very powerful, and some clients actually do benefit from that, but uh, I think what's more important is that uh, the therapist has done his or her own work. You know, in Mm -hmm. graduate school, I had a really wise mentor tell me, every good therapist has the name of another good therapist Uh, and this was back in the day in their Rolodex that tells you how old I am, (laughs) Um, but has a name of another good therapist in their contact list and they use it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there's, there's a saying that you can't take someone, you can only take someone as far as you've been willing to go to yourself. Mm -hmm. So over the years, you know, wherever I have blind spots, I have to be willing to look at those and embrace those if I want to be able to keep taking my clients deeper. Um, So I think that's really important. Um, I I, I loved Dr. Patricia's, you know, word about 
staying curious. Like Mm -hmm. that's one of my favorite words, Um, not making assumptions. You know, my daddy always told me, you make an ass out of you and me Mm -hmm. when you make assumptions. And um, so staying curious and trying to let your clients show you who they are rather than deciding who they are. You're listening to These Three Things Podcast with Dr. Patricia Thompson and Leslie Fye on Black Women and Therapy. We'll be right back. Fear imagines shame. Love imagines greatness. Hey, ladies, we live in a culture that often fuels greatness on the thoughts and energy of fear. Fear of not being good enough. Fear of comparison fear of failure. The seeds of all that fear create imbalances in our minds, bodies, and spirit. Developing a strong mind-body practice steeped in the energy of love is essential to breaking the habits of fear in our lives. If you want to learn more about energy healing and create a mind-body practice that will help you build a life where love imagines greatness, Contact Leslie Fye at www.lovebigbiglove.com for a free 30-minute consult. Or follow Leslie on Instagram at lovebigbiglove. Dr. Patricia, let's focus. I want to focus with you for just a minute. Talk about emotional intelligence and uh, why it's important to have it and, and how not having it can affect you and how successful you are, especially in the workplace? Yeah, so um, emotional intelligence, I guess, in a nutshell, is having a good sense of self-awareness about yourself, understanding kind of your strengths, your opportunities, your triggers, how you behave under stress, Mm -hmm. those sorts of things, and developing the tools to be able to regulate yourself more emotionally. So kind of understanding it and then knowing how to do something about it. And then the other element is social aspects of it. So being able to understand other people, identify their emotions, and empathize with them, and as a result, kind of know how to interact with them effectively. And so in a workplace setting, I mean, because we deal with other people, Mm -hmm. um, being able to understand their emotions and yours Um, is really going to be beneficial. And, you know, a lot of the research shows that, you know, for example, leaders who are more emotionally intelligent not only are better leaders, Mm -hmm. but they have staff that are happier and they actually tend to have staff that are more productive and, you know, more profitable in a sense. Um, And I think if you think about just the definition of it in your personal life, obviously it's going to have a lot of benefits in terms of relationships or, you you know, not being reactive and not even realize that it's happening. And so it's really, I think, a major opportunity for getting rid of blind spots Mm -hmm. that can get in our way interpersonally. Because if you're a person in the world, whether you're at work or you're at home, you're dealing with other people. Right. And so, you know, being able to navigate that is really important. Um, And so typically, you know, when I come across leaders who don't have emotional intelligence, um, it doesn't go as well for them, right? you know, or it can be the sort of thing that holds people back where they might think that I do really well on the job. Why am I not getting into a leadership position or why are people not recognizing me? And it's because, you know, maybe you are, you know, stressing people out because you can't manage your emotions or maybe yes. you're coming across as abrasive and people don't feel good when they're around you. 
you know, if you're going to be effective in the world, how people feel when they're around you is really important and the impact that you have on them is really important. Um, and so I think even though for some people at work, it feels like something that's really touchy feely mm-hmm. <laughs> and not related just to kind of like goals and metrics and like how they think of work. Um, it's really, really important because you're working with other people. So often though, what I, what I see with clients when they're showing up with issues in the workplace is that they're reflective of whatever their childhood issues are. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. they, they bump into those same relationships and we repeat, we repeat our old conflict in two places. We repeat them in our work relationships because that's where we have authority relationships Mm -hmm. or we repeat them in our marital relationships. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, and so it's absolutely, even though it's professional and it's right. the workplace and you don't want to be too touchy-feely, mm-hmm. um, that that's a leading edge of growth yeah. for all of us. I think so, too. Yeah, yeah. that's good. That's good. I, uh, Leslie, I'm coming back to the two conflicts. I want to talk about those for, in just a second. Yeah. But, Dr. Patricia, I want to ask you something. Okay, for because one of the things that you said that um, that is one of the key ingredients of emotional intelligence is being Mm self-aware. But if you are not self-aware, how do you even know that you're lacking emotional intelligence? So can you give some examples to my listeners on uh, keys that you're not the most emotionally intelligent person so that they can know they need this work and actually get an executive coach to help them get better? Yeah, so I would say one thing would be if you're constantly in conflicts with people at work. And, um, you know, I think in those instances, it can be easy to point the finger at everybody else and think everybody just doesn't understand me. Um, But if you're the common denominator in all of those different interactions, then Mm -hmm. I think at least for a start, you need to really take a look in the mirror and think, are there things that I'm doing that are rubbing people the wrong way? So that would be one. Um, I would say if you're someone who tends to get overwhelmed Mm -hmm. a lot and just can't manage your emotions or feel like you're very stressed out or things that maybe aren't affecting other people in the same way are really affecting you. That might be something that you would want to look into. And again, you know, get curious about and try and see if there's an issue. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say a lot of times people who are lower in emotional intelligence might get feedback about it, Mm -hmm. but they dismiss the feedback. So if people say that you're abrasive or that, you know, you come across as impatient or people don't like working for you or things like that, that can often be a really big sign that, you know, you're lacking in emotional intelligence and not really thinking about other people's needs as you're going about your work. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Now, going back to what you just said, Leslie Fye, about the two conflicts, Talk about that again, because I think that is so true. Sometimes, have you ever worked with someone that you feel like is a big kid? (laughs) Your temper tantrum is like a child. It's almost childlike. So talk about the two conflicts that you were just talking about just a second ago. Well, what I was saying is the two places where you are going to bump into whatever personal work you need to do Mm -hmm. is going to be either in your marital relationship Um, Because that's where we're our most vulnerable and our most intimate. Mm -hmm. Um, So 
the things from childhood that are unresolved, we're going to play out in, in, and I say marital relationship, intimate relationship. Right. Um, and then we're going to play it out at work too, because that's where we have relationships with authority. I would say one example is just if you find yourself being triggered by things that seem like they're out of proportion mm-hmm. to what actually went on. So for example, someone could be in a business meeting and someone might disagree with them. Mm. And you might perceive that as a big threat or that you're being like really criticized when really it's just someone disagreeing with an idea. Um, And, you know, some people might go into attack mode kind of flight or fight, sorry, or some people might kind of totally shut down and feel like they're completely embarrassed in the moment. Um, But that's less about what's happening in the room and more in terms of what's happening with your self-concept and, you know, all the stuff that you're carrying from your youth. Um, So that could be an example. Yeah. So, so if a person were to come to you as an executive coach, uh, Dr. P, and they need to grow in the area of emotional intelligence, what are some things that you share with them on how to be better with this? I guess with anything, it sort of depends on the person. But um, the first thing that I would want to do would be to really understand them more fully mm-hmm. and what is triggering that behavior. Um you know, sometimes it's just a matter of being aware of what's happening. And so if you have a lot of blind spots and you don't even know that you're doing it, Mm -hmm. then even being able to look for it is something that can help a lot of people, like just to take a breath and think before they speak or, you know, go within and figure out what's really going on here. What story am I telling myself here? Yes. You know, what else could be an explanation for what's happening? That sort of thing. Um, because I think the big thing is that for a lot of us, our split second story that we tell ourselves in the moment is a lot of times driven by, you know, the other sorts of things that you're talking about. Um, Leslie Fye. Uh, <laughs> and so, Leslie Fye. <laughs> and so um, <clears throat> you know, I think it's just becoming more aware of what's happening in the moment. Yeah. And then, you know... Once you're telling yourself a different story, you're likely to have a different reaction. You know, I think sometimes it's also learning to calm your body in the moment. Mm -hmm. So taking a deep breath Mm -hmm. and not responding when you're in the fight or flight state, but like getting yourself to a more centered space. And so, you know, sometimes it's work that you'll do outside of the meeting, for example, which would be, you know, meditation or deep breathing or getting yourself in a space where you can really calm your body so that you can respond in a place that's more grounded and centered. Yeah. Um, so those might be some places where we would start. I think for us as, as black women, especially if you are in a professional setting and you're trying to advance in your career, really evaluate where you are in your emotional intelligence. Cause it really, I do believe can be a definer in your success in, in the workplace. And I'd like to just add, um, I think women in general, I think black women have, um, they're bumping up against stereotypical perceptions. And uh, so I think they have it harder in the workplace, Mm -hmm. but white women have it harder in the workplace too. Like we, women in general are expected to be more emotionally intelligent. Men are not expected to be emotionally intelligent. Absolutely, We are expected to navigate the games that a patriarchal system plays yet do it as wisdom, as wise women and not get too emotional about all of it. So, um, we really, really have to dig in deep if we want to, 
survive that well. In, in terms of the workplace, how your personal background can get triggered by the workplace, if you grew up with a parent who was highly critical mm-hmm. and you end up having a coworker or a boss that's very critical and interacts with you in the same way, maybe, maybe not even crossing the line. They're professional about it, but they're very critical and it just implodes, yes. triggers, you know, your insecurities, cr- triggers your anger. However, it ends up affecting you if you don't work with it you're, you're going to play it out in the workplace. Yes. In what other ways can black women benefit from having an executive coach? Yeah. So I would say, you know, a lot of things are really practical and the ways that anybody could benefit from having a coach, whether mm-hmm. it's, you know, needing to become a more effective leader. Maybe you've never been in leadership before mm-hmm. and you don't really know what you're doing. I think a lot of people find themselves in that situation, things like that, or, you know, getting yourself more organized. I think also coming up with a plan for your career. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people of color have maybe um, more difficulty in terms of like getting mentors or networking or things like that. And um, having the confidence to go after a lot of those sorts of things. Um, you know, we had our session on the imposter phenomenon. I think that's something that comes a lot up a lot. And I don't think it's all just internal causes that right. create that. I think right. when you're in an environment where you're getting microaggressions or where you're not seeing a lot of mm-hmm. people who look like you, it can make you wonder, like, do I really belong? Right. <laughs> you know, those sorts of things. And so I think being able to manage all of that it is more difficult for, you know, black people because there's so much against us, I guess, unfortunately. And so I think having someone who can help you through that can be really helpful. Hey, queens, kings, and good people. That's as far as we can get in this episode today. I am trying so hard to keep these episodes under an hour. There is so much more that we get into talking about There will absolutely be a part two to black women in therapy. We dive deeper. We actually just started scratching the surface of the depths that we go in this conversation with Dr. Patricia Thompson and Leslie Fye. So please tune in next week where we'll finish this episode with part two and our These Three Things. Also, too, you can catch Leslie Fye and I tomorrow on Instagram at These Three Things Podcast at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 7.30 Central, tomorrow, Wednesday, June 16th at These Three Things Podcast on Instagram. See you next week.